Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus said to the Pharisees, There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen, and who feasted scrumptiously every day. And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, covered with swords, who longed to satisfy his hunger with what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs who came would lick his sores. But the poor man died and was carried away by the angel to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was being tormented, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus to, the, to have the tip of his finger put in water and cool my tongue, for I am in agony in these flames. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your lifetime you received good things, and Lazarus in lifetime evil things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. Besides all this, between us and you, there is a great chasm that has been fixed, and those who might want to pass from here to you cannot do so, and no one can cross from there to us. He said, Then, Father, I beg you to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may warn them, so they may not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. They should listen to them. He said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone comes goes to them from the dead, they will all repent. He said to them, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced, even if someone comes to them from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. The challenge is when I'm asked to preach here is always is always three scripture lessons, and I'm assuming that sometimes they're all connected. Sometimes they're hard to realize how they're connected than others. In this case, we read three separate incidences, and then I said, okay, what's the connection here? One talks about, you know, that uh, you know, you, you're supposed to buy a plot of land to be buried in when you're under siege by somebody else. And then, but you get into Timothy, and I think that's where the meat of this whole lesson comes from. Is that I think this, the, the underlying theme from all of these is a spiritual complacency that we tend to get into. When we get, we, we have our faith, we have our beliefs, we have our lifestyle, we enjoy it, we sit down, and we get complacent with it. And I think that's the, the message from Lazarus and the rich man. The rich man was enjoying what he had built up over the years, worked hard, built a comfortable life, and just sort of ignored or forgot or didn't look at anybody else but himself and what was surrounding him. And the poor man Lazarus, who had had a rougher time in life, was outside just begging for something to eat. But Timothy said, uh, Paul told Timothy, he said, don't be taken in by riches. Don't be taken in by status, earthly desires, 
and don't get to the point where they control you. And that's what is beginning to happen. That happens with all of us. We're guilty of this. We reach a certain stage in our life and our development, and we sort of forget where those, those that may be less than we are. He tells Timothy then to pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, gentleness, and he fight the good fight of faith. Look beyond yourself, he said. So focus on your daily life. Don't focus on what you've achieved. And so what happens is that the, we fall into this trap where it gets very, very easy to just live our life in our own setting with our own beliefs and our own beliefs and think that everybody else should be the same way. So when we see somebody that's different, they may dress different, they may look different, they may be a different color, they may be, uh, any, have any characteristics that we don't have, they may live in a different lifestyle, they may not like what we like. They may not vote the way we vote. We look, at, we look down on them, and that's a natural thing to do. And then we have to stop ourselves and say, wait a minute, wait a minute. You know, these are God's children as well as us. So we have a difference in what, how we believe or why we think, but that doesn't mean we're any different in the eyes of God. So is there a way we can work, all do work together on that? We often fail to see them as children of God, but we see them as different and not our equal. So, it, you know, and this all, if you look back in history, you see that back during the 70s and 80s, there was a period of prosperity that occurred in our country. And that's where the, what they call the me generation developed. That meant people got so absorbed in, in getting things for themselves that they, let, they neglected their family values, their religious values, and their other values that they'd been brought up with. And that they began to focus on what's best for me. And this is still permeating today in a lot of cases. There's a lot of places where, you know, you, you look at what's in it for me. After we ask that question, when somebody asks us to do something, what's in it for me? It doesn't, doesn't matter whether it's right for somebody else or not, it's what's in it for me. Or I've got a different lifestyle than you've got. I've, I've worked hard, I've, I've obtained a lot level of, of life and, and comfort that I like, and I don't have to give that up. We're not asking you to give it up. It's just saying that we have to look beyond that and say is there's another way then I can use what I've been given and maybe I've been blessed to help somebody else. You know, our lifestyle may be different. There's a form of elitism that, that develops in our country and it's, it's, we're pretty evident right now. Uh, and it's, you know, said God found favor with Lazarus but he didn't find favor with the rich man. Well, you know, one went to hell, one went to heaven. Now, I don't think that that's what we focus on, but we, we take it seriously because we, we can build the walls or we can break down the walls. We can build a chasm between us and others or we can bridge it. We have that opportunity. We can, we can, we can, we can not pay attention to the needs around us or we can not care for those who are outside our doors or we can just shut them out and say, okay, somebody else needs to take care of them. You know, years ago when I first went early in my ministry, I was working in a low-income housing project in the, in the city of Atlanta, right in the middle of the race relations in the city of Atlanta. You know, I was a tall white guy in a predominantly black community working, trying to help with those folks. And I'd have my, 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 some of my fellow clergy would come up and say, Marcus, we're glad you're doing that because somebody needs to do that. <laughs> you know, I said, well, you know, you could come help if you wanted to. You know, they're nice people. They don't bother you, and the, and the skin doesn't rub off. I mean, it, they're, they're good people. You know, and I'm thinking, wait a minute now. It's, they're, they're, you know, doing their thing. 
But it's somehow that we, we can break down barriers if we try. And it's not hard. It's, it's uncomfortable for us. Guarantee you that. But we can tear down those bridges that, that are being built. And we may have to look at our values and say, okay, let's see how we can help build these bridges back. Uh, and one of the things that, if you notice, one of the things I've always said about communion at church and in church is that there are no barriers in a church building. Is that, you know, I've been in churches where there were CEOs of large plants who were on a committee chaired by one of their workers, one of their hourly workers. You know, they were actually under them at, in the church. When we come up into the communion table, we're all equal. There are no there are no class differences, there are no levels of income differences, nothing, no differences. We're all children of God when we bear up here. And so when we, you know, most of you know that I'm heavily involved in, in Habitat for Humanity, and one of the things I really enjoy about that is that we get volunteers from all walks of life who come together to work on a house or a very uh, deserving family. And most of the time I have no clue what they did beyond this when they show up on a job. And they can say, I can do this and I can do that. I say, okay, go do it. And pretty soon you find, well, they're pretty adept at running electricity or they're pretty adept at painting or they're pretty adept at, you know, they know construction materials and do this. And we all work together and we put together a, a, a house. But I have no idea most of the time what, the, what they've done in the past. Only after they've been there a while, then we may get to talking and find out that, okay, so we had a nuclear scientist in here working on the building. And we did. <laughs> you know, nobody knew that. Uh, so as we leave this morning, I want you to think about a couple of things. One is that, you know, examine your own life and see where it is that you're working to help other people. Are, are you being true to the faith that you believe in in your daily life? Because that's where Christ wants us to be. Amen.